It's tough for parents uh, that have kids that they want to help. Uh, parents sometimes turn to controversial treatments when they are trying to help their kids uh, through something. And this treatment, I think, deserves a little look-see. I was reading in uh, advice.com an article. It's quite a lengthy article. So it takes you about a half an hour to get through. Um, it's about this controversial autism treatment. And it's about to become very big business. It has connections to Duke University, and it involves stem cell treatments. Here to talk about uh, exactly what's going on at Duke University, uh, because it is in conjunction with uh, private business, I believe. Anna Merlin is a senior staff writer with Vice. She is responsible for the article. Anna, it's a good article. It's it's just really long, uh, and it's very hard for me to concisely point out exactly what's going on. So maybe you could walk us through this controversial treatment and what is about to become very big business at Duke University. Right. Yeah. Great question. So what's going on here basically is that Duke University for a number of years has been studying whether um, products that are derived from human cord blood could be used to treat uh, serious conditions like autism, cerebral palsy, brain injuries. And thus far, um, Duke has not found any encouraging data to suggest that cord blood products can be used to treat especially autism, uh, which has been a big focus of the treatment. Um And so what's going on now is that Duke has a licensing agreement with a private company called Cryocell, which is a cord blood banking service. And Cryocell has announced that they are using this licensing agreement with Duke to open their own infusion clinics where they're offering these cord blood products, um, again, to treat autism and cerebral palsy. And they're anticipating millions of dollars in revenue from these clinics. They haven't said how many they plan to open. We know that the first one is projected to open in Durham, North Carolina in January, 2022. So I have a lot of um, medical ethicists and sort of experts in the stem cell and cord blood area saying, you know, what's going on here? If there's no proven benefit yet to these products, why would a for-profit company open a clinic to offer them to even more children and their families. So they're essentially saying, you know, that the Food and Drug Administration should be taking a look at this and asking um, what kind of data is being provided here to show that this is a um, necessary treatment. And the FDA has a hand in this, right? Because it all doesn't, doesn't this all stem from work that's being done at Duke University by a reputable scientist who yeah. has received uh, FDA approval. And so Cryocell, this business, is piggybacking on her approval. Uh, and there's some gray area as to if that is uh, even allowable. Have I got that that right? Yeah. So um, a lot of the research that's being done here is by a woman named Dr. Joanne Kurtzberg, who is a very reputable scientist at Duke. Um, and Dr. Kurtzberg and some other folks at Duke are all doing research at what's called the Marcus Center for Cellular Cures. It is funded entirely by Home Depot founder Bernie Marcus, who's a big believer in stem cell treatments and wants to fund them. Um, and so what Duke has, what Dr. Kurtzberg and her colleagues have are um, FDA approvals for what's called invest- investigational new drugs. So you can study an investigational new drug, but that doesn't mean that it is necessarily FDA approved in the way that like a medication that's on the market is, Um, but they are allowed to study these. Um, The controversy even before the opening of the private clinics has stemmed from the fact that Duke um, 
is using something called an expanded access program. Uh, so you would think that these products, cord blood stem cell products, would be studied solely through clinical trials at Duke University, but you wouldn't be correct. Um, the expanded access program allows people to buy into these treatments, even if they're not part of the clinical trials. So families who have a child with autism or cerebral palsy are paying between ten dollars and $15,000 to get access to this treatment. And it is a single infusion of a cord blood product. Um, and again, a lot of med medical ethicists I talk to have some pretty serious questions about this because mm -hmm. there is still no evidence that this works for autism or cerebral palsy. So uh, why are we asking parents to pay a large amount of money to get access to it? Um, and those are the kinds of questions that the experts I talk to would like to see Duke engage with a little bit more and would like to see the FDA sort of take a take a stance on in a more public way. It's interesting because Duke is 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 possibly putting their reputation and their credibility at risk if it seems if it turns out that they're, you know, that that they go ahead and and uh with this this uh cryocell deal and and charge parents $15,000 per infusion and it results in no change at the end of the day. I mean, if this happens again and again and again and again and again, I, I, th then you, you, your reputation is at stake. How are they um, squaring that? Right. So, I mean, Duke, uh, Duke and Dr. Kurtzberg answered questions for the article, you know, and their position is that this requires more, um, you know, more study, uh, mm -hmm. which is fair. Um, but one thing that several folks brought up to me who I interviewed is the issue that if a parent is paying a large amount of money uh, to access a treatment for their child, they're sort of motivated maybe to see uh, to see improvements where none may exist, right? Uh, and especially when you're talking about something with autism, the idea uh, of improvement ca can can sort of vary. Um, right. You know, like there there is a hope that stem cell products would, for instance, help with speech delays, language delays, socialization, but those are um, those are moving targets. So it's another reason why a lot of people in the medical ethics space say that interventions like this should be studied only in the context of clinical trials and that introducing money into the equation uh, can sort of change the game. There's also a concern that if a lot of parents just want to buy into the expanded access program and pay this money, it'll make it harder to get people to engage in clinical trials because clinical trials are, are sort of differently set up. So there are a bunch of mm. questions here and um, at least Can one I just interrupt for a second mm -hmm. with the, with the clinical trial problem, would that be because they're already receiving some sort of uh, treatment? So then they would be maybe uh, uh, wouldn't be allowed in a clinical trial because there's the controls aren't there. Right. Yeah. If they're already participating for instance right. in the expanded access program, they might not be motivated to or be able to um, be in a clinical trial. So yeah, there, there are a bunch of questions here. And we know that autistic kids and their parents are already vulnerable mm -hmm. to, um, to misinformation, potentially to treatments that do not work as they are advertised. Um, and so people in the autism space are especially sort of wary of this program. Um, I spoke to the Autism Science Foundation, who are a very good um, reputable source for like good science. And they, uh, they would not recommend this treatment and they have questions too about why it is being monetized right now.
Right. And the whole reason why it can be monetized is because the, the, the approval has been given to that doctor that's doing, um, actual research at Duke University. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that they would allow, uh, people to piggyback on that. I, I think there is something that you mentioned in the article that, uh, the cost can't go beyond what the actual tr- treatment costs, like when the $15,000. Can you, can right. you speak to that at all? Yeah, and that's I mean, one of the ways you're getting around it. Well, yeah, there is a cap on this. So yeah, um, Cryocell can open these clinics because they have a licensing agreement with Duke, and they can only offer um, what Duke has been studying under these investigational new drugs. Um, and they can't charge, you know, an unlimited amount of money. Right. It, the, the FDA is pretty clear that it has to be related to the actual costs of the. Um, of the investigational new tr- drugs. Okay, so, so how do they plan low. on making $24 million then? Right. Um, so that number is drawn from the investor presentation that Cryocell uh-huh. um, put out earlier this year. Cryocell is a publicly traded company. Um, so they're saying that their annual revenue per clinic is projected to be $24 million, um, I guess, because the estimated infusion revenue per patient per treatment is $15,000, and they're confident that they can get enough patients in the door to equal $24 million. Um, I definitely was curious about that as well. I asked uh, Cryocell several questions about their plans for this clinic, and they did not respond by press time. All right. So you're hoping to hear a response. I'm sure you'll write an article about that. You were talking to Ann Borden-King. She's a Mm Toronto-based science writer and current chair of the Campaign Against Phony Autism Cures uh, she's based out of uh, Toronto, as I said. What, what does she feel um, about this uh, Duke cryo um, companionship? Ann Burden King is one of the people who has been writing about this for a long time. Um, you know, she was pretty clear with me that she does not think that this program is strictly ethical and that it is not good practice to encourage parents to involve their kids in experimental treatments for money. And so Borden King and a lot of the other folks I talked to all have the same basic ask, which is that they mm-hmm. want the FDA to look into the terms of this deal and make sure that it is on the up and up. Um, Borden King also talked about, again, just how many bad or questionable cures there are out there for um, children with autism and their families. Um, some of them extremely dangerous, you know, things like feeding children bleach, things like doing chelation to, you know, remove so-called toxins from the blood. So, you know, autism parents are, are already quite wary of, um, investigational treatments of any kind and are prone to ask hard questions about them, which is, uh, which is appropriate. And then there's the, 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 the group of people that feel that we shouldn't be looking at uh, autism as something we should try and cure or treat that, you know, it's not something that needs to be cured. Right. You know, there's an emerging sort of um, group of people who are autistic adults who are advocates for the autistic community who say, you know, that the focus on curing or fixing autism is wrong and that, you know, our focus should be on Yes, early diagnosis, but also on helping autistic adults live live their best and fullest lives. But that the focus on cure or treatment can be stigmatizing, can suggest that you know autistic people are lesser than other people, uh, and so you know there's a bigger question about that that 
disability advocates talk about all the time. But ultimately, yeah, the focus of autism research is sort of shifting away from this idea that autism strictly needs to be cured and that that is the that that is the ultimate goal. Anna Merlin, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I think you've made a lot of sense and uh, given us pause for uh, thought here on a few things. Your article is called A Controversial Autism Treatment is about to become a very big business. People can find it at vice.com and it's a great read. I highly recommend it. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. Anna Merlin, Senior Staff Writer with vice.com.